ESPN 1000. It's Brian Hanley and Mark Sander on a Sunday morning. The White Sox, they won a game. Wow. Brian, um, Jake Berger, the man should be playing every day. No doubt about it. Is there really it. a dispute? Is there really a dispute at this point? You know, I was in my car and uh, the rally was just getting going with the bloop double and Connor McKnight on the call and DJ and I was parking and I had to sit there and listen because you know yeah. you haven't heard one of those in a while right, right. so I was like yeah. are they going you know they're, they're trailing they hadn't scored in any inning up to the inning where they put up three spot and that's just enough to get it done but um you know that's what you need you only, you know you had seven hits you only had three runners in scoring position throughout the game but you found a way, and yeah, here's, yeah. here comes a pinch hit home run by Jake Berger, and I'm with you. More of him. Get him in there as often you can. But you know, at least Tony, you know, called his number when he needed to call him, and he delivered. And it, and it was right. It was the right time. And yes, he did not start. He came in to pitch hit. But we've seen that he has been a solid player for us, filling in for Mancata. Now, uh, you know, Yuan was in the lineup yesterday, and Yuan went 0 for four. And and we've talked about this yesterday. Yoan isn't quite the guy that we thought he would be at this point. And it all started with the COVID year and, and him being really affected by COVID, as we were told. 2019 was a good year for him. And now he's struggling. We don't know if he's playing hurt. We don't know if anybody's playing hurt. You, you know, you look at a guy like uh, Grandal, as we talked about yesterday. Is he playing hurt? I don't know. I certainly know that we don't have enough people to fill in for all the injuries we've had. And it's just nice to see Jake come in. And if we can find a way to put this man in, even when T.A. comes back, find a way to use Jake Berger more because I don't think he needs to go down to AAA anymore. Yeah, no, it absolutely does not, Mark. And and here's the thing, you know, because, you know, the Rays did play the role of the White Sox. They left nine on base last night because Dylan Cease. Thank God somebody else did. <laughs> they took their turn. Uh, but, I mean, Dylan Cease wasn't great, but he was good enough, I suppose. But seven yeah. walks. Now, that's yeah. happened a couple times recently. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. he was struggling. I mean, he was uh, he was using some pitches to, to get right. out of things. But so. see, this is this is the case, right, where where you have a, uh, a pitcher that usually dominates wasn't quite his dominating self. So we relied on another part of the game to get a W. And Absolutely. that is what winning is all about, because not everybody is firing on all cylinders every game. We haven't had that. We haven't had that response until yesterday. And, and uh, you know, every time something like this happens, and it's been few and far between for the White Sox, it's like, okay, is this the turning point? Okay, is this the turning point? We don't know. But it was fun to watch yesterday that we actually, because, you know what, we, we had, uh, it was... Uh, I think it was Bummer, right? That uh, or was it? No, it was Graveman that got into a little trouble and he got out of it. Yep. And thankfully, because you saw that coming, right? You saw, uh oh, yep. Here we go. We have the lead late in the game. Here we go. Here's our bullpen. What are they doing? But it, it worked out, and Liam actually came in and, and did his job. Get it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it was, it was good. And we talked about it yesterday a bit that um, you know a team like the Blue Jays. You know their run differential is minimal. I mean, it's it's single digits, but they find ways to do it with two outs. They find mm-hmm. ways when guys get on to get them in, and you need more of that for the Chicago White Sox. It's interesting because didn't get to this yesterday, but given the White Sox now minus fifty seven run differential because they got just enough yesterday in the three to two win, and mm-hmm. that was great for a day. 
uh, according to MLB.com standings, their expected record based on runs scored and runs allowed to this point is oh actually 19 and 32. I mean, they're sitting in the standings 24 and 27. But right. that that's how much better it needs to get because if you continue on this pace of runs scored versus runs allowed, I mean, you're you're basically you're playing with house money that you really didn't you know don't deserve. Your your record looks better than the the algorithm says it should be. It, it, isn't that crazy? We're we're actually should be thankful. Yeah, <laughs> which, which yeah, and really yesterday so twisted. Yesterday was nineteen and thirty one. You actually you won the game and lost a game in the expected wins loss column because of the runs scored and runs allowed. So right, but I mean celebrate the victory and celebrate Jake Berger for for delivering a big moment. And you know on the north side of town celebrate a couple not so young guys by the way in Matt Schwarmer and and Caleb Killian. Um, Impressing, right? I mean, everyone was talking about Caleb Killian in our Twitter poll question today. Is who was more impressive, Matt Schwarmer or Caleb Killian? And you know what? You're spoiled for choice, at least for a day. And, and Matt Schwarmer—that's two two consecutive starts where he's impressed. And we'll get into to what he brings to the table. But I mean, Schwarmer is 28 years old. Caleb Killian, who you got as as the prime piece in return for uh, Chris Bryant, he's 25. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like. And, and he's only one of what two top fifteen Cubs prospects who who is now at the big league level, but was above the Double uh, A level uh, right. currently. And, and and Davis is on the shelf back surgery. We'll get into that, but you know at least for a day on the north side of town, there was something to you know. Christopher Morrell keeps doing what he's doing. I mean, it's it's fun to watch him anytime he's in the field or, or at bat, but. Hey, you know, Killian uh, lived up to the debut, and uh, Matt Schwarmer that put a couple together that gives you gives you hope that he can be part of this at the tender young age of twenty eight. <laughs> you know, uh, if you take the heavy expectations away from the Cubs, and I don't know who's walking around with high expectations at this point, you really get to enjoy what's happening up there, and it's not always pretty, and it doesn't always equal wins necessarily, like yesterday. However. There are bright spots everywhere. Morrell, Suzuki was a bright spot. He'll get back there at some point, hopefully. And and you've got you've got this and a Cubs team that doesn't or hasn't really in recent years been able to grow any kind of. Now you could argue argue that Killian wasn't really within the uh, the system, so to speak. But Jed made a made a trade and yep. uh, traded away somebody that was near and dear to Cubs fans' hearts. And this guy looks good. So, uh, yes, yes, some bright spots on the north side for sure. Yeah, and, um, you know, the fact that he delivered and in the first inning was as impressive as it could be. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, not only was he striking guys out, but when the Cardinals actually put a bat on the ball, they didn't barrel it. The exit uh, velo for their, their contact was 81.5 miles per hour. I mean, he busted bats. He got Slow it balls. down. Yes, yeah. that's nice. And and he topped out at 97 miles per hour yesterday, but he was in the 93-95 range, even though he's known as a power pitcher. But one thing he did do at AAA Iowa, and he did pretty much last night at the get-go, is strike people out. And that mm-hmm. that's encouraging. Yeah, it's it's really really nice to see uh, Cubs fans having something to be excited about, and and you didn't know what you were going to get. I, I you know obviously this was uh, a highly touted uh, prospect. I read somewhere that probably might have been the highest uh, anticipated debut for a Cub pitcher since Mark Pryor. Yeah, I, yeah. I saw it, somebody it, write that down. It, it's like, wow, you, you know what that 
that is, I can't believe that, but that just might be the case. Well, Paul Sullivan, our buddy at the Tribune, wrote a column before the debut yesterday saying the one thing about the Caleb Killian thing, because the deal was just made middle of last season, right? It wasn't like, and you, you know, kind of alluded to it, they didn't. They weren't in the system, so it's not like the Chris Bryant or even on the south side when you're waiting for Kopech to show up or all these guys. Right. Uh, you know, there was not that hype with Pryor, certainly with Chris Bryant. You know, times a hundred, right? Yeah. What uh, Caleb Killian is new to the scene, and so within the organization there was excitement. And as he got called up, I think Cup fans, you know, certainly wanted to pay attention to see what they have because. He gave up a pretty good play, player in Chris Bryant. You wanted to see if he got something in return. And so far, so good in a, a, you know, a one-game sample size. But there wasn't that noise that Joe Madden uh, embraced when Chris Bryant, you know, and Sully wrote about that, that he, you know, how glorious the, you know, the, the momentum and all the uh, hoopla was for the arrival of guys like that in Baez and, you know, um, you didn't have that yesterday, right? So Caleb right. Killian, I mean, and, and we'll hear from him. He was just in awe of being at Wrigley Field. But um, I think Cub fans should be in awe that he only took seven pitches to strike out the first two guys. And um, it was perfect for three innings, right? And Schwarmer, I mean, he was no hit. He was going no hit through five. So a pretty good day <laughs> on the bump uh, north sidewise yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. What impressed you about either uh, Schwarmer or uh, Killian? Hard not to be impressed, right? I mean, you know, it's cautious optimism. One start. Uh, Schwarmer's got a couple under his belt now, but cautious optimism. But it certainly does seem like there are several reasons to be excited, even though the Cubs are not winning the World Series this year. There's several reasons to be excited for today and the future for the Cubs. And uh, I've got to mention that uh, if anybody's noticed that uh, Brian's voice is a little scratchy, he did drunken karaoke at uh, Dan Rowan's party that, last that, night. That's so. uh, not true. No, uh, no, 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 no. You you were the moderator. You had everybody coming up. No. You were singing when nobody else No, that was up. Mike Lowe, uh, WGM reporter. WGM put on a, a terrific party and, <laughs> and well-deserved party for the, one of the great guys in, in town, and Dan Rowan. And, Good Lord, it was it was at Chief O'Neill's up on North Elston. I'd never been there. It's a good spot. The staff was outstanding. But, I mean, everyone from WGN was there. Barry Cronin, who just, uh, he was smart. He left early. I, not so smart. I stayed and enjoyed uh, catching up with people I've known for 40 years. Well, it's of, hard to it's hard not to stay at a at a party like that. Oh right? my good lord! I mean, the people I haven't seen, but people I worked with, and everyone in in, in Chicago media are pretty close. And mm-hmm. on the laughs and the stories and and man, the who's who of of sports media was there last night. It was it was a lot of fun. So my, you know, first of all, tip of, uh, of the cap to uh, Dan Roan for a terrific career, and everyone loves and respects him because he loves and respects everybody, and. You give what you get, usually, right, through this life. Yeah, and, hope so. And uh, Mark Greco was there. I mean, I don't want to leave everyone, anyone out. I could go through the whole roster until noon. But uh, a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, a lot of stories, a lot of catching up, and, and a lot of saluting Dan Rowan and, and terrific times. So, so what was your favorite song to sing, Born in the USA, I, right? See, not, I'm not a karaoke guy. And there was no karaoke. It was just a lot of people <laughs> telling, telling great hey, stories. Yeah, and, hey, and, you know what? The picture in my head is so much better than reality. I'm just <laughs> seeing you on stage, a little tipsy, <laughs> moderating karaoke, nah, and Jim yeah, Greco coming up, and you guys all singing together. 
just really something ridiculous. Yeah, no, no karaoke um, and uh, really no music. It was just a lot of people um, talking very loudly because there were so many people in the room. And right. um, and, and most of them are broadcasters, so we talk loud. To yeah, be heard. right. And uh, a lot of stories uh, were told among people and most probably of you, a you lot that you can't, can't say on the radio, but yeah. uh, a lot of laughs. So, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And uh you know, now the sun's threatening to break through here in the first Midwest uh, Bank studio on State Street, and so I might need some shades before it's all said and done. Oh, you're going Jesse Rogers stuff. Yeah, exactly right. Mm-hmm. Big time. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. We're talking baseball, and yesterday we we were teasing something about uh, hearing from Matt Nagy. We're going to try to fit that in today because Matt, you know, we thought we were done with him, and we are, but it's. Uh, it was interesting audio, and, and I, I don't know, Brian, I don't remember where we got this audio from. But uh, Well, he was, was addressing the Kansas City media uh, oh, the other day what, because, you know, he found a landing spot back at the old place where, uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. Ryan mm-hmm. Pace picked him. And, and somebody asked him about the Bears then? Asked him, yeah, how the experience, uh, you know, helped him out and, and, you know, did it change him in any way, shape, or form. And um, he, he went on, as Matt Nagy would do, he couldn't, brevity was never something that so, Matt, Matt So embraced. is this a five or ten? minute cut i think it's about three and a half probably could have gone on longer but maybe someone got a different question in there before he uh, you know could come up for air three one two three three two three seven seven six we'll definitely hear from that and we want to hear from you on the north side uh what did what did you think about those two pitchers that we've been talking about on the south side could this be a turning point i'm looking down the uh, box score and you had andrew vaughn uh getting a couple hits. I mean, he's been a stalwart. You know, we we can rely on him. We have to talk about Danny Mendick. Danny Mendick versus Leori Garcia. When T.A. is back, I don't want to see Leori playing every day. Danny Mendick has earned the right to play. Now, I know he had that base running gaffe, but he he looks like a guy that really felt that for a few days, doesn't he? Yeah, not only that, I heard him on uh, White Sox Weekly with uh, Tyler Aki. Really good interview yesterday. Yes. And talking about his approach and going back uh, to Charlotte and how, you know, because he, he's had uh, multiple uh, hit games here that he's putting together and he had a key single last night, um, uh, so, you know, before the home run and scored on the mm-hmm. home run. But just his approach, and he seems like a very sincere and earnest guy. And, uh, you know, as much as you can't make bad base running plays, because we talked about the, the slim margin of error the White Sox yes. operate on these days. Um, but he delivered yesterday, and he, he's been finding ways to get on base, and that's what you need from from guys like Danny Mendez. Right, right. And, and and if I anticipate never seeing something like that on the base pass from him again, because he looks like a guy who he's been up and down. Right, he yep. wants to stay with the big club, yep. and this has been several years. So you've got to think that that really impacted him, and he is all about making improvements and doing what he can to stay with the White Sox, and we look forward to that because he has been performing. 312-332-3776. We're hitting break. We'll come back. It's uh, Hanley and Xander on a Sunday morning taking your phone calls here on ESPN 1000. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. Tonight is another Chicago Cubs debut. They have debuted several players in 2022, and the latest is one of the best prospects in the system. He came over from the Giants in the Chris Bryant trade last year. It's Caleb Killian making his big league debut. Edmund playing more shortstop now. That's his natural position. 
He waves and misses at a 96-mile-an-hour fastball. Three very impressive pitches. And the first man he sees in a big league uniform, it's a strikeout for Caleb Killian. Esther Dayen was back in the field in game one today. There's the first off-speed delivery from Killian, and it's back-to-back strikeouts to start his major league career. 1-2 to Molina. And he gets him to wave through and miss for his third strikeout. Seven up and seven down. Exception, his movement. They've obviously never seen him before, but he is dealing. Got him. Called strike three with paint at the knees from Caleb Killian. That time he waves through. That's a strikeout. One down in the fifth. League manager. It's a pretty cool story. Good pitch by Killian. A little cut action on the outside corner. What was that moment like earlier this morning when you walked out and saw that field for the first time? Oh, it was so cool. Yeah, I got to at least get here early and uh, check out the place, get comfortable. So it was really cool to just, I don't know, it was breathtaking when I first walked out there to see this place. When you had to wait for your start, you know, the game before yours, mm-hmm. did, how did that impact kind of your nerves? Um, I think it actually helped. I think it helped me just get like comfortable in here, settle down, uh, see the whole place, walk around, meet people. Wow, you could hear the excitement in his voice. Xander and Hanley on ESPN 1000. Caleb Killian, six strikeouts, five innings pitched, three hits given up, and a couple walks. Not bad for a debut, and he is excited, and that just makes you excited, Brian. And and I wonder how many listeners can actually separate the fact that the Cubs aren't going to have great success this year, but they can celebrate these bright spots and really feel like uh, they're entertained and entertained enough, and they're hopeful for the future. Well, you know, you, you look at what he did, and it was so efficient. Um, through, th- you know, through three perfect innings, 31 pitches, right? Mm-hmm. And as I said, down at AAA Iowa, this is what he did. I mean, 41 strikeouts and 39 in the third innings pitched. So he, he gets he gets people to swing and miss, and he also gets called strikes. And as I said, that you know, when now look, teams will get a make an adjustment on him once they sure. they see more of him. But he really mixes, he's got at least four pitches, and he mixes them up pretty well. And, and Jordan Bastian from MLB.com uh, broke it down. He used 43 sinkers, 23 cutters, 10 four-seam uh, fastballs, and seven curveballs. So he has a pretty good repertoire. And it's interesting because, you know, Chris Basio told me one time, the former Cubs pitching coach, that that you Darvish had six variations of a fastball. I mean, and, <laughs> now, and now that makes him an elite guy who who, you know, you know, bank big time with the Cubs, and then they had to shed payroll and get six guys you may never see at Wrigley Field. But who knows? It's a story, different story for a different day. Maybe one of those turns out to be the next Caleb Killian type position player, and we'll be celebrating. But you know, the fact that Caleb Killian already has four effective pitches compared to Matt Schwarmer, who again twenty eight years old, and he relies almost exclusively. On his slider, ninety-seven point two percent of his pitches uh, yesterday, and the first two, the first two starts rather, um, 
uh, are his slider. Now he's got two variations of that slider, and so far mm-hmm. it's been you know deadly. And he you know wipeout slider, he gets guys chasing, and he has a four seamer that he's mixed in to, to a little bit of a degree. But the fact of the matter is, he's going to have to come up with a third and, and likely a fourth pitch. And he said he's working on a changeup, but. He's only thrown that pitch, I think, uh, what, five times out of 178 pitches to this point. But again, the fact that he's got a go-to pitch and he has two variations of it is pretty impressive. And, you know, hopefully that changeup comes sooner than later because yeah, the, he's going to need it. He's going to need, need it for sure. Yeah. And, and as you were saying, you know, to have different variations of the same pitch on the south side, Lance Lynn is that guy, right? He's yep. got these crazy amounts of uh, variations on, I believe it's his fastball. So, so those are different pitches. But at some point, yeah, you know, they are going to make the adjustment, and that's a great point because you know they're brand new. But just to hear, I'm just so energized by Caleb's just wonderment yeah, of it all. Right? right? I mean, in that press conference, he was just like he was just soaking it in, like called the, the best day in fan. his life. You know, the, yes. yeah, and, and and you know, you and look, I mean, a guy like Schwarmer has been toiling so long. You can find guys anywhere. I mean, with the what 596th pick in the 19th round in 2016, the Cubs found Matt Schwarmer out of Cootstown University. I had to look that one up. It's in Cootstown, PA, mm-hmm. and. um you know, baseball, you can find guys anywhere. And, and, and you know, you just have to find the right guys. But yeah. they're, they're down there. They're down there. They're, uh, they are there and they're toiling away. And these are people that want to learn and want to get better, want to put the work in. It's just a trick to find them. And we've talked so much about you talk about the Tampa Bay Rays. Here's a team that barely draws. And every year they have one of the lower payrolls. Yep. But I'll be damned if they're not good every year. They're not a challenge for the White Sox. To, to be. They are. Yeah, the right, for are, many they, teams to they, be. They, I mean, that's, yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. 312-332-3776 is a number, and Paul is in Valparaiso, and our first caller up today. Hey, Paul, what's up? Hey, Paul. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, yeah, you know, you're talking, just kind of touching on it there. Yeah, when I've heard a couple of times, Schwarmer's 28, and uh, Killian's 25, obviously a little bit older on the, the quote-unquote prospect list, but I think it speaks louder to what the Cubs are doing as an organization. They bring this Hughes kid up who's a converted uh outfielder yeah their bullpen the last couple of years even before they sold off last year you know obviously they, they sold off some of the veterans but they're starting to develop pitchers and if you even look at a guy as dominant as dylan Cease, what's he pitching five innings a game yeah. i mean so i think if you can mix and match guys that can go four or five innings and you just actually have the arms and develop maybe they draft some prospects in the next couple of years that have better you know pure stuff and that are younger if they can continue to develop these guys like you said if you got a slider throw the slider you throw what you throw well and keep throwing yeah, it yeah so until they till they yeah. bullpen piece yeah until they make you do something different i mean if you've you've got a dominant pitch like that and it's dominant right to this point then you know keep doing it but you know Tommy uh, uh Tommy Hadovy uh, the pitching coach for the Cubs you know he's working with the kid and will be working with the with Schwarmer not the kid but I mean with Schwarmer he's new to the league and um yep. hopefully they'll they'll you know they, they they're aware they have to come up with at least another pitch but right now that slider is pretty awesome Yeah because like I said even if, even if he ends up being becoming a bullpen piece and I think that's like I said I did develop some of these guys Wick you know I mean it's going to have some ups and downs and I know he's had some injury issues but at least, like you said, there's some guys in the system that you could talk about. Even at the lower levels, they've got some more arms that are yep. they're coming up. And maybe it's bringing in this guy, the, the new general manager from the Cleveland with the background with pitching. But it seems like 
they're they're you know doing a better job of whether it's the pitch lab or whatever it may be of developing more arms, even if they're not total total high end guys. Just the quantity will help. Great call, hey, Paul. Paul. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, and I want to ask you real quick, Paul. Oh, even though dropped. we know the the Cubs are not work, uh, 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 you know, they're not winning the World Series. Are you able to enjoy these little victories and these bright spots for the future? Enough to be entertained. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you know, as a Cubs fan, I, I have, I, I want to keep, you know, that's the stuff I'm looking at. I'm, I'm not looking at wins and losses, and I'm, I'm looking at guys like Christopher Morrell and the energy he's brought to the field. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at, you know, it, it, the hype that was not Chris Bryant hype, but there was hype enough about uh, Caleb Killian's uh, start yesterday, and he delivered. I mean, it would have been terrible. Even you know, going out there in the fourth inning and, and running into some trouble, it was great to see uh, David Ross bring him out in the fifth inning, and he got through a, a clean fifth inning, and so he left with a good feeling and a, a you know, good taste in his mouth and something to, to be proud of. And so he, you know, and then, you know, the team picked him up and got him a no decision, too. So because he was trailing, you know, going the, in the sixth inning, they came up with a couple runs to tie the game. So all in all, pretty good debut. But that's, I mean, as, as tough as this process rebuild is going to take and however long, uh, Paul from Valparaiso is correct. I mean, they're going to, with the losing, they're going to get higher draft picks and they're going to have to flip those and be smart about it and start, you know, supplementing that draft system and the, the farm system to get, you know, get guys you can count on two, three years down the road. Yeah, that's that is definitely the case. And, and looking at the box score, can we celebrate Jason Hayward getting a couple of hits or no? You know, it's interesting because when <laughs> Seiya Suzuki comes back from the sprained finger, yeah, Morell's not going anywhere, right? And no. so Jason Hayward, um, you know, he he had some comments this this week where he said, you know, David Ross is a straight shooter and they have a good relationship. But he knows. I mean, he knows he's Mr. Intangible now. He's trying to lead the kids and show them a great great approach. He's always been a great teammate and a, pro, a professional. But he knows that as much as he wants to be out there every day, and he said that's impacting his his offensive numbers because he can't get in the rhythm and a groove. The front office doesn't want to see any more of Jason Hayward than they need to. They they want to see Suzuki. They want not want to see Morrell. And his at bats are going to be further limited when when Suzuki's healthy. And you know he'll get the occasional start. And but but it's all about the future right now. And he's he's due twenty two million dollars next year. And he's going to get his money one way or the uh, uh, the other. But I mean I think he's around for the rest of this season. And maybe at some point next season, they just eat the balance of the money and, and designate him. And, and, you know, maybe he finds a home somewhere else because he's being paid by the Cubs. I'll tell you something. There is a uh, somebody that was in the starting lineup for the Cubs yesterday that I really don't want to see in a Cub uniform again. And I'm not I'm not really uh, necessarily a Cub fan. I'm, I'm a baseball appreciator here in Chicago. And I'll tell you who that is. After the break, I want to see if you feel the same. 312-332-3776. It's Hanley and Xander on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Facebook at ESPN Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Talking baseball in Chicago, both both on the north side and south side. Exciting day yesterday with Caleb Killian getting a look. And uh, before we went into break, Ryan, there is a player on the Cubs. He was not in the starting lineup. I was incorrect about that, but he was uh, 
He came into the game later and had a couple at bats. I've never been a fan of him. I was not a fan of him when he played for Minnesota last year. Do you like Simmons on the Cubs? Uh, you know, uh, right now, given what where they are in their rebuild, and I mean, I I, I can't get worked up about about guys like that. I mean, I, I don't think he's a guy who's going to have staying power. So they'll sort I, I, they'll, they'll sort it out, right? Yeah, small sample size, but the the couple times that I've seen him play for the Cubs, it's like, oh, yeah, I know he's that same guy. I don't know what it is about him. I just. I, 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 when when they signed him, just what what are they doing now? Look, he, he's he's quick. He serves a purpose, but not not a not a huge fan. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what they signed him for. I mean, I don't think it was a, you know it's, Suzuki was the only one they spent any money on, right? And, and Stroman, right. Uh, right. but you know it's it's just you know those are place fillers. By the time yeah. they're ready to contend again, and that's not a. Well, you were trying soon. to give away Madrigal, so I, I well, to yeah, see I know. Simmons and landed on your you, list. Well, it's interesting because Madrigal went on the IL and came back, and I don't know what he did mentally. You know, he collected himself, whatever, and he's he's back to being the guy that they traded for and the guy you you know you enjoyed on the mm-hmm. south side, right? Yeah, yeah. He's now putting the bat well, on the that ball. That happened yeah. to him last year too. He he had an injury that sidelined him for the White Sox for a while, and he came back and he he was hit. Yeah. Just a reset, I suppose. I, I mean, thankfully, because it was trending. I mean, here's a guy who never struck out, and that's all he was doing. And all of a sudden, yeah. you know, he gets a little bit of a break, and I don't know, just uh, takes a step back, takes a deep breath, and uh, and so far so good since he's been back. Now, we're going to talk to uh, Connor McKnight. We'll actually have him on in the next segment. And I look forward to getting his uh, take on Jake Berger being an everyday guy, even when T.A. comes back. Maybe, you know, you know how, how do we fit him in? How do we take advantage of Danny Mendick? You know, maybe at second base, is it time for uh, Tony to break up with Laori? <laughs> you know, as an everyday player, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, is it time for their relationship to – to be on the rocks. I mean, what are we looking at? How do we start up Grandal? There's so many questions, but we are celebrating a win yesterday, and it was it was nice to see that Graveman got out of trouble. Liam, Liam Hendricks came in, did his job, and we came away with the W. Yeah, you know, when you look at it, Jake Berger, it's his fifth home run. He said it's his first pinch hit home run ever in any level of baseball. So, I mean, that that was new to him, and couldn't have picked a better time to do it, right? Um, right. Time is everything. But, but you know, the fact of the matter is they need a lot more of that. And, you know, the Rays, as, as much as Graveman, you know, had you holding your breath and all that, you know, the Rays struck out 11 times yesterday, even though Dylan Cease was issuing seven walks. And I saw this. Dylan Cease is the 17th player in baseball history to record multiple starts where he allowed only one hit but allowed seven walks. I mean, you yeah, talk- yeah, it, it's, it's, it's been odd for him at times this year. And he was even having trouble with the uh, with the the pitch calling system. I mean, he was fumbling with his hat because of things up there, and, and you know he's listening to the catcher. The catcher pushes the button and tells you which pitches you're yeah, supposed funny. to deliver. Sometimes it looks like they're talking to their hat. Yeah, right. It's <laughs> exactly right. right. Yeah. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Another thing I want to ask Connor about is uh, Yohan Mankata. I mean, at what point do we say, oh, it is what it is? And and I think it's probably unfair to do that right now. But, uh, you know, as we're sitting here talking on ESPN 1000, there are a lot of White Sox fans, I'm sure, that are like, okay, cut the bait already. Let's, let's sit him down and put Berger in full-time at third base. I'm not sure that's the right move. But to find a way to get Berger in there and to try to jumpstart Mo- Yohan, 
yeah, how do we how do we do that? You know, and, and you know, we'll ask Connor, but we can also ask White Sox fans. I'll ask you, Mark, since you are a White yeah. Sox fan. Uh, but we'll ask Sox fans three one two three three two three seven seven six. The fact that Dylan Cease leads the American League with thirty bases on balls issued is that a concern? Now we know he's you know he he throw a hundred miles an hour at will, and he's getting strikeouts and he's limiting hits. But at some point, when you are issuing multiple walks per start, um, is that going to catch up to you? Uh, and, and you know, you need to you got to figure out how to limit that, and you can't go you know continue at this pace because at some point it's going to bite you in the butt. Right. And last year, you remember he was doing that kind of nibbling, trying yep. to nibble at the corners. Yeah, don't do the Dallas Keuchel uh, painting yeah, he, the ass, the Nats' ass on whatever he did. Right. And he was doing that last year, and he wasn't doing it to success. And and I'm afraid that that's starting to be an issue. He's got a 3.39 ERA Correct. right now, yeah. and, and that's that's been the best uh, it's been since he's been here. Obviously, he's had he's had more starts already. Um, 81 strikeouts. He's four and two. Uh, his whip is 1.29. Yeah, you know that is interesting. Hopefully, hopefully uh, Ethan Katz sees that. I, everybody sees that. But hopefully they're addressing that already because we don't want him to fall into that. But I would think that yes, if it if it starts escalating, that is going to be an issue because then then you're just erasing your strikeouts basically. Yeah, and you know we we didn't mention Tony uh, had a pretty good day. Not only bringing Jake Berger in when he did, but uh, a little luck on the on the bloop double, but Adam Engel came up in a pinch hit situation and got that thing going right. So yeah, and, and Adam's an, Adam's another guy that we can kind of count on. Uh, you know, he he he's spectacular in the field. He's had a couple of plays in the field where he's really tried to make a sensational play. It didn't work. Uh, you know, that's going to happen. That's the kind of guy he is. But he's also saved a, a few home runs, uh, more than a few over the years. So it's great to have him in the field, and his bat is coming around enough to to warrant him being a pinch hitter. When he first was developing with the White Sox, he wasn't a pinch hitting option. No, no. And now, you know, again, a little bit of luck on your side, but you need that. You need the, the baseball god smiling on you, so you get the – and I know that Grandal had that, that foul – Pop up that he was, uh, you know, DJ was saying on the call he was uh, he, he was limping a little bit, and he thought maybe he was trying so much body language to keep that fair and get a little bloop uh, thing going, just like Engel did, but it didn't work for him because a lot of things haven't worked for Yasmani this at this point <laughs> no. in the season. Yeah, unfortunately, and and there's a guy that we need if he could play half of his potential because he's not playing half to his potential no. right now offensively, and if he could start walking again. I mean, that was his real value last year, as twisted as it was, you know, until he got his bat moving, he was walking. And that's getting on the base. And uh, sure, you want you want to hit, but, yeah, you know, as they say in Little League, sometimes a walk is as good as a hit. Yeah. I mean, it's not always the case, but it's better than striking. The out. catching situation, you know, the fact that Jake was pinch hitting for Reese McGuire, you know, tells you all you need to know. But thank God he did, and thank God he delivered. Justin's in Garfield Ridge. He's on ESPN 1000. Hey, Gar- uh, Justin, how are you? I'm doing all right, guys. How are you? Great. Good, good. What's up? Uh, just calling to say a little bit, uh, I know we're in a little bit of a slump here, a Sox fan, but I just think that the team takes the shape of the manager, and if Tony doesn't start to show a little bit of fire and make a couple better moves, I think we're going to slip a little lower than 500 that we already are and going to lose this season. 
You know, uh, yesterday, yeah, Justin, point. I, I am, am appreciate the call. I was, I'm, I'm, you know, a little too tired of, of too positive Tony, and I'm with uh, Justin that at some point you can't just be the rah rah guy, and and maybe. Right. Maybe I don't mark. Is he doing that to default because of all the questions coming in, which I think have been answered that he wasn't going to connect with young ball players. He was going to so be too he's overcompensating. Old the other yeah, way. I wonder yeah. because, you know, yeah. the Mendick thing, oh, that's, that's an aggressive play. And I like that. But the plays in front of you, you got to be smart that may, about it. That may be, Brian, that may be. But I'll, I'll tell you something. Um, another point to make here is T.A. is usually the rah-rah guy. And yeah. When when you have a T.A. in the lineup, you don't have to be that. So it might be a little bit of both, be. which is interesting. We will. uh We'll talk to Connor McKnight after uh, we get back from the break here, and, and we can bring that up too. 312-332-3776. We'll talk to Connor about the White Sox uh, and what we can look forward to today. It's uh, Hanley and Xander here on ESPN 1000. We'll be right back. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. Welcome back, Xander and Hanley, ESPN 1000, heading down to Tampa, where last night this man kept me in my car while I was parking before going to the Dan Roan party because there was an actual rally taking place, and the White Sox don't have too, too many of those. They need a lot more of those, and a great call by the one and only Connor McKnight on Jake Berger's home run. Connor, how you doing, man? Hey, Connor. Brian, wonderful. Xander, good to hear from you, sir. Yeah, in, in all fairness to the White Sox, while I may have done the work keeping you in the car, uh, the boys put the runners on base, and Jake Berger drove them home. So he's you've got Jake Berger to blame, I guess, for missing any second of Dan Rohn's party. Well, which, if I, congratulations uh, to Dan, by the way. Absolutely. Yeah, I left part of my voice at uh, Chief O'Neill's on Elston last night. but uh, he, You're a hell of a karaoke host. I'll yeah, you, no, there was no karaoke. Stop that. Uh, but it was great to see because yesterday Mark and I were here yesterday morning talking about the fact that a team like Toronto comes up with two out RBI hits and, and do it on multiple games, you know, against the White Sox. And when the Sox absolutely need it, they haven't been able to deliver consistently enough. And you know what? Just enough yesterday. They had the one inning and that was enough. But you need more of that clutch hitting and, and pitch hitting and guys delivering when their numbers called. Yeah, I mean, Brian, you know this. I mean, when I'm when I finish up White Sox Weekly during the off season and head into the car, I'm listening to you and Pat doing the hockey show. And I've been saying this about the White Sox the last couple of days in hockey parlance. While it has been frustrating to watch this offense, they have had the puck on the stick more times than not. Yes. You know, they've yes. had runners on. It's been there for Jose Abreu in that last game against Toronto. It's been there for them in a, in a lot of occasions. And they've just been looking for that big knock. Yep. Um, from Jake Berger yesterday, you know, his first career pitch hit, that was pretty cool. Spoke to Jake a little bit just this morning. Uh, he'll be, that interview will be on the pregame show with Deion Miller coming up in just a little bit here on the network. Uh, look forward to that. It was a good talk with Jake. He's all smiles. And I listen, you know, it, it, as, as they look for that big hit without Tim Anderson in this lineup for a while, it's going to have to be everybody getting it done right i mean you need everybody to step All up and contribute at different points over the next three weeks and you know jake's that first step hopefully for the Sox. yeah i get frustrated any team i i follow and when when you're scuffling and things aren't going your way and 
you know, when I hear A.J. Pollock, you know, keeping the glass half full, it's overflowing, their positivity, and Liam Hendricks addressed it again yesterday, no sense of panic, and it's too early to be looking at the standings. I think a lot of fans, Cub fans, Sox fans, whenever your team is expected to do great things and they've done nothing but, but frustrate you, I, I want more sense of urgency. And, I, you know, Tony, I, I said, you know, there's a Dairy Queen down in Tampa after the game the other night because he's talking about the great fight, right? And, well, the result wasn't good enough. And, and, and I just, as a fan of any team, I think we have a sense of urgency. And maybe as a professional, you can't live that way. But we're almost a third of the way through the season in a, a very bad week division. And you're sitting in third place, hopefully second after today. But you should be, I mean, the run differential, everything. It just, it, there should be more of a sense of urgency from where I'm sitting, but I don't seem to be hearing that or feeling that. And I don't know, you're on this team. You know, I don't know where you fall on that, but it's frustrating times that it's all uh, seashells and balloons. And when, when, you know, each night it's, it's kind of, you know, you're banging your head watching this thing. Yeah, I, I think it's, Brian, I get it. I, I think it's frustrating as, as a fan base, you know, to watch a team that's not doing what you expect, what they said they want to accomplish, and, and you know, they, they scuffle out the gate for the first 60 games or so. I, I do think, though, that we're, you know, we're, we're in a different era now with athletes who have come up, you know, mentally prepared in a very different way than, you know, when I was a kid in the 90s or, or even, you know, all that kind of stuff. We don't you know, these guys don't go out there and, and, and just, you know, uh, self-flagellate themselves, right? Mm-hmm. They don't knock themselves over the head. They don't do any of these things. They, they can't. They've got to get in there with the same kind of confidence and the same kind of expertise that they came into the big leagues with. I think we see that more and more. And while, yeah, it is an adjustment, and it's not the kind of stuff that, that you and I grew up with necessarily, it is the way this works now. And I think when you... You know, we need to, we, a lot of conversation we've had about Tony La Russa being hired as the manager and can a guy who spent, you know, most of his major league career, you know, a, a generation before the players he's going to go manage, will he connect? Well, I think, I think he has. You know, yeah. he understands how to speak that language of this modern player um, because he is, you know, quite frankly, speaking the language of this modern player. I, I think, you know, as we all kind of, you know, adjust our expectations for how we talk about and how we listen to our athletes talk about, you know, losing streaks or underperformance or whatever, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, a little adjustment period, a little grading, but that's not been the case with this front office or, or the coaching staff. And I think that's to their credit, even though it might be a little bit uh, jarring to hear, I suppose. Connor, I know you have to run, but real quick, short answer to this. How does Tony break up gently with Laori and get Jake Berger into the lineup more consistently once T.A. comes we, back? We have them in a Netflix series, Tony Loves Lori. And everybody doesn't love Lori, but Tony How many does. seasons are we going to see of this yeah. show? It's a good one. That's one where you binge watch until 4 a.m. and then you're not really sure why you can't <laughs> get up really. the next morning, right? It's like, I don't get it. I just watched a couple episodes. What time is it? Four? It's four in the morning? Yeah. Listen, I, I like Jake. Um, I, I don't know that second base is a spot for him defensively is the thing. And defense matters. You know, I, I yeah. think it, it, oh, yes, it really does, does here. Uh, I, I know Jake would like to play second base if that means more playing. I mean, who wouldn't? Let's be honest. Time spent in the big leagues is better than anywhere else. Um, but I, I think defense matters here. So when it comes to Leori, I guess remember this. He is a very streaky hitter. And if you go back you know, to the end of April, I want to say week and a half, two weeks, where he was one of the better hitters going on this team, um, one of the better hitters uh, from a middle infield standpoint, too. So you know that he he is that kind of player it can get streaky like that 
Um, and Tony values handedness quite a bit in this game and in his lineup, too. He likes to, to stagger that kind of thing. So he does serve uh, that purpose at, at the very least, and I think he does more than that. Um, but I, it's just kind of a tough fit defensively when you've got you know a guy like Jake Berger and Vaughn and Jeets you know, all kind of looking for spots, but none of them necessarily a, a second baseman. Well, feel right. free, you and the White Sox, keep me in my car again today, right here on ESPN 1000. More of that, please. We need yes. more more innings, crooked numbers, clutch that's hitting, pinch hitting. Request. Yeah. Yes. Well, I promise DJ and I'll do our part, that's for sure. Yeah, DJ <laughs> was very funny. That that works in Clown Town. That was the line yeah. of the game for him. Yes, DJ, <laughs> yes, the absolute best. Yeah. All right, great job. Have a keep great it going. Day. Have a great game. Yeah, thanks, Connor. Hey, boys. Connor McKnight, you hear my on White Sox Weekly and on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network here on ESPN 1000. He'll be on the call today, and hopefully the White Sox wrap up this series with a win over the Rays and take another step. Uh, if Cleveland can cooperate, maybe you find yourself in second place after it's all said and done today. Wow, Busy. don't get me too excited now. Well, I'm because, you know, it's getting late early. I, I, don't, I know it's, uh, you know, just some people don't want to believe a third of the season through that, you, you know, you need to be better and you need to be where, closer to where we thought you